and welcome back to another episode of JP and the Beans Talk. You bet. Beans, we're back for another fun-filled episode. I think we're each more well-rested than previous episode. It's all relative. It's all relative. A but little bit better. I'm yeah. still exhausted. Of course. But of that's course. just my life. Yes. I'm just tired yes. all the time. That's, where, that's just where we're at. But it's great. We're here. The energy is palpable. It's growing. You know, you're growing into your new home. I'm probably just growing wider. You know, cookies can't stay away from me. I can't stay away from them. It's I, a, thought, I thought you said you were growing whiter. Oh. And I was like, well, how is that possible? Considering I keep saying uh, Jamie Garcia instead of Jaime Reyes, that that is possible. And evidence is stacked against me. So I love baseball and apple pie. What can I say? I am as white as the price, but it's all right. It's all right. We're going to. We're just going to lean into it. Absolutely. There's no place for me in the Blue Beetle movie except as a villain, I would say. <laughs> That's my destiny. Oh, sad. Sad. But I'm happy to be here. That's me too. Great. You've, uh, you know, it's almost in the September. This will be our last August episode. Right. Which is kind of wild. It's, it's, dude, it went by so quick. Yeah, because as soon as August ends, obviously summer is officially done. So we're into the we get into the fall season real quick. You've had your first fantasy football draft. Yes, I did. Good for you. Yeah. I snuck into the back end of my fantasy baseball's playoffs. Okay. So wow. Wow. Feeling really good. Right now we'll probably get smoked in the first round and that'll be it. But you know what? That's an improvement over last year where we didn't even make the playoffs. Right. Is all. Uh my my team are the uh the Midgard Morons. Yeah, I feel really good about the name. I don't know if anybody else in my league really appreciates it or understands the the reference, but I get it. All right, that's what matters. When you tell a joke, you have to get it. And if you do, it doesn't matter how anybody else does or does not laugh. Well, I have Deshaun Watson as my starting quarterback, so you can already tell that uh, yep. my name is inappropriate. Wow. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's 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 put up on a tee. So speaking of jokes that no one laughs at. Uh, I remember once upon a time, uh, this is maybe eight or so, yeah, eight years or so ago, uh, I was living in Northeast Iowa, Cedar Falls at the time, and went to uh, the Octopus Bar and Lounge to listen to a buddy who was doing a solo musical set, but he was one of several individuals that were getting their time at the mic. He was doing music, others were doing, I feel like there was somebody doing slam poetry, which is Interesting. It's a choice. It's a choice. It's a choice. Then there's another guy who decided to step up and uh, take his shot at being a comedian. And after the third or fourth joke that he provided that felt completely flat, no one in the room was laughing. And here's the reason they weren't laughing. Not only was it not funny, but it was somehow both not funny and just completely uh, in poor taste. And often that's a part of comedy, right? Like that's an element to it. Like when you make a joke, like it's at somebody or something's expense. This guy managed to string together several jokes in a row that were at somebody's expense and not in a way that was funny at all. And this guy had a, I can't remember if it was one of his buddies who was there to give him moral support. Pretty sure that's who it was, who was standing off in the corner about 10 or 15 feet away from this guy with his hand just like on his chin, watching him 
just light himself on fire. And after the fourth joke, there's a good, you know, two seconds of just silence, which feels like 20 seconds. And after the two seconds goes by, the buddy standing in the corner just goes, Jesus Christ. (laughs) That's a good friend. That's a good, that's a great friend. He's like, you're done. He's like, you're done. Get off. That was incredible. He tried. Right. Just, just step away now and let your losses, whatever they are, because they're significant. But, oh my gosh, that was, that is a memory that as much of my brain has uh, dissolved into pure mush in the, you know, years since. That is one memory that has stuck with me. And I occasionally just pull it out of the old archives for my own, uh, my own mirth. Occasion. There's nothing. No. It's just so uncomfortable too. I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, it, it was. And it, you're like, it, yeah. It was. It was deeply uncomfortable. So the uh, the JC drop was was well timed, and that was the funniest part. Of the night, ironically enough, it's like now that's funny. That was great. Everything that was meant to be a joke. No, that that was incredible. So all good things. All good things. But. Hey, you know, we've got Blue Beetle to talk about tonight. Yes, we do. That's exciting that we got to see that. So I'm looking forward to unpacking that most recent DC film. Um, I'm sure we're going to get to another classic JP and the Beans top five because, holy smokes, we're at the end of the summer. So yeah, we, we need are. to look back on the summer that was and mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. bring some, uh, some positive energy and attention to the flicks that we have enjoyed over this past summer of 2023. Um, and there's a few news and notes, you know, ramblings and musings that we'll uh, we'll catch up on. So looking forward to it. Anything else you want to say right out uh, out of the gate, my friend? No, not at all. Okay. Ah, well, as I wet my palate, let's let's hit the news and notes right away. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, Ahsoka coming out. We are recording this two days out from Ahsoka, which comes out August 22nd. That's a Tuesday for those of you counting at home, and I. Uh, for you know, listeners of the pod may recall that I brutally mispronounced Ahsoka's name, I don't know, four or five pods ago, similar to uh, Jaime, uh, Jaime Reyes, me going Jamie Garcia. I think I said like Ashaka or something, just not even, not even freaking close. So apologies. And again, I am so white, but I am mildly looking forward to this. Uh, I, as the name mispronunciation would suggest, don't have any vested interest in the character. My kids and I have just, within the last couple of months, started watching the Clone Wars cartoon. So I've now been officially introduced to the character of Ahsoka. Um, I thought that Rosario Dawson created her phenomenally right. in Mandalorian Season 2. But again, I didn't know anything about the character ahead of time. So right. what I saw in Mando Season 2, I'm like, this is great, but uh, again, I, I just don't feel like I'm coming into it with any prior expectations, but I would say I am, I'm going to watch it, I'm going to give it a chance, I'll watch the first couple episodes, and then I'm going to give myself an out. If it sucks, I'm out. Fair enough. I'm out, I'm not committing to it, I'm not committing to it, but I would like to give it a chance and see what happens. I'm pretty sure Hayden Christensen's back for this, I think. Don't hold me to it, but I'm 90% sure. Hayden, you rascal. Wouldn't that be a well, delight? Wasn't that yep. right, him? Yep, I'm smart. Okay. Uh-huh. You're very smart. Uh-huh. Incredibly, incredibly well done. What, what's your feel 
towards this? Are you looking forward to it? Could give a, you know, flying flip. I could kind of give a flying flip. It's really fine. Well, I got to be in the right mood for Star Wars. And I think I need to finish Clone Wars before I go watch Ahsoka. Okay. So, and I mean, like, I'm I'm if on Ahsoka. Like, I'm not like, oh my gosh, fantastic. Yeah. But I'm also not like, ugh, the worst character ever introduced. Like, she's solid. Mm-hmm. She's solid. But I don't know if that's like, I'm dying for a live action series for her. Sure. So, and also there's some Rebels characters in here from Star Wars Rebels that I've never watched. Gotcha. So, gotcha. like, also on that, I'm like, mm-hmm. okay. So where I may be, I could classify myself as medium to medium well on this. You're you're pretty you're pretty chill on this right yes. now. Yeah. You're not committing to watching the first two episodes. No. For not now. yet. Now I know the burden lies on me to uh to fill you in on how it was. Which is we'll fine. see. We'll uh, see how I'm feeling. Our boy Wolstag is in this. Ray Stevenson is pulling uh pulling a what's his character's name? Balin Skull? Skull? Yeah, he passed away, didn't he? Ray? I think Ray's still alive. Gosh, I hope so. If he's dead, sorry, bud. What? No, he's super dead. Yeah, if I can say, I'm pretty sure he passed away. Whoops. Okay, so he will not be back for season two. Spoilers. <laughs> Either that or Hopefully no be... relatives of Ray are listening to this. Or he'll be sorry, recasted. Buddy. He'll be recasted. Yeah. yeah, died in May. Okay, awkward. Uh, tough break, bud. Hopefully he I goes. I thought I saw that. Hopefully he goes out on time. Good for Ray. I, I don't know how to recover from that. Rosario Dawson, anyone? <laughs> no, her cameo in Mando season two is fantastic. I am here's where I'm at. I'm all for. I'm open to a quality Star Wars show just capturing me. That's great. Do it. Give me that quality. And here's why. Most recently, Riles, per recommendation of your new roomie, I dove into Andor. And it was delightful. Okay. It was delightful. Uh, I don't know what I expected other than I went in with an open mind going, this could be okay. I don't know if it'll be great, but I think it'll be okay. It was, from a craftsmanship point of view, it looked amazing. The dialogue was very intentional, was very layered. It was... I'm not sure if I heard a cliche throughout the entire show. And that's a compliment. Like that's saying that is good. That's that's really That's so good. And not the least of which for Star Wars, where you know, cliches and just basic, you know, screenwriting can kind of carry the day. Right. Uh so that was I took note of I took note of that. The the episodes, there were gosh, how many did it go? Did it go 10, 12? I think it got into the 12 range. I'm forgetting the exact number now, which is embarrassing. I just finished watching this, but it told a very long story mm-hmm. that they could have. They could have cut it in half and ended it at the halfway point, and you would have gone, oh, good show. But they kept going, and this is the first time that a show has continued after when I thought it felt like it was going to end, and it continued to improve. Like it got better. It wasn't a, oh man, they missed, they missed the natural end point. They should have concluded it. uh, It was really, it was really well-crafted and really outstanding. So I was, I was very pleasantly surprised. Um, Real, real basically, right? So Cassian Andor, his character, the namesake of the show, 
we get introduced to him in Rogue One. Okay, it's been a few years since I've watched Rogue One, but I do remember his character from He was Rogue solid. One. He was solid. He also dies at the end. So you know that, okay, if we're doing a TV show, this is a prequel to the prequel right. that was Rogue One. So that harbors great skepticism in my mind as far as how worthwhile is this really going to be? And it takes a couple episodes to find its footing and to really unveil enough to engage you and get you interested. It starts out so small with just these teases towards the wider Star Wars world that uh, I would say I would totally understand if someone watched two episodes and went, I don't know, I don't even know why I'm doing this, right? Wow. But for those willing to stick with it and stay invested, extremely worthwhile. The character Andor, of Cassian Andor, not only is he outstanding and worth spending time with, but there are at least eight other characters in that show that get their own sub story that are very worthwhile. Um, it's yeah, I don't want to just spoil it and get all the way into it for those that haven't seen it. But if you haven't watched it, watch it. Totally worth it. The JP endorsement right here. So to bring it back to Ahsoka, that is now the standard in my mind of okay, we've got that. We've got a show that was made with clear intentionality. Uh, thoughtfulness. They took their time. They made it not only look good, but it made sense. Can Ahsoka make sense? Because as we discussed to the point of belaborment on our previous pod, my gosh, have some of the shows that we've seen lately, some Star Wars, a lot of Marvel, just not made sense. Is that too high of a bar just to just please make sense? I don't think it is. I don't think it is. No. The writing has struggled. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's been struggling yep. real bad. Yeah, very much so. And so, I, and I don't know, like with Ahsoka, I don't know its production history. So I don't know how, if at all, it's been impacted by the recent writer's strike, if that's a factor at all. Uh, it, it feels like that is getting thrown around as an excuse for shows or movies that suck. Like, oh, the writer's strike. But then you have shows that, suck that for it. don't suck. Okay. Like, this is before the writer's strike, so just stop, you know? Okay. Good. <laughs> Good. Thank goodness. But you're like, some of them, you're like, I'm... Never mind. Yep. We, we won't... We won't write. <laughs> right. Let's be real. Not everybody that's a that's a screenwriter is good at what they do. It's like anything <laughs> in the world. Like, just because you have the occupation doesn't mean you're good at it. This makes you wonder who didn't get the job. You know what I'm saying? You ever you ever yeah. look at somebody yeah. do a job and you're like, who didn't qualify for this? Uh-huh. Phenomenal and worthwhile question. Very worthwhile. Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So anyway, Ahsoka comes out on the twenty second. Uh, so something to look forward to yeah. for the Star Wars folks out there. Maybe I'll give it a watch. Maybe you will. But I'll let you know. I'll watch it first. Maybe not. I'll take I'll take the bullet for the pod and and let you know. I can do it. I think you can do it. Can do it. Actually, you might have to since your new roomie is a hardcore Star Wars guy. Yeah, that's true. Or you not necessarily have to, but we gotta you get might internet encouraged though. to. Yeah, that would help. Yeah, that would help. So Wednesday. anyway, not a not a big uh, not a big news. Uh, not week, but last two weeks, things have been relatively quiet. Um, so I, I did see that Marvel was going to increase their episode count. They're going to get away from six episodes per show. Oh, good. So they're going the opposite direction of what they should be, which is not making shows. That's what I've heard. Okay. So, all right. <laughs> Once again, they're ignoring our notes. 
Well, shame on them. Unfortunately, they don't. I don't think they watch it like we we think they do. I still choose to believe. Just, but this is maybe a we just start, big piece of evidence against that hope. Maybe we just start tagging James Gunn and Kevin Feige in our stuff. Okay. And just sure. see if they eventually just check it. Mm-hmm. Just for kicks. They're yeah. bored. Yeah. I don't care what it is. Bored I mean, they, they probably get loaded with a lot of other crap. Yeah. Why not our crap, you know? Yep. Yep. Hey, we've got crap that's just as good as anyone's. Love it. Some Blue Beetle. Speaking of... No, wait. Not crap. Crap. Blue Beetle. It was good. It was good. It was good. I'd like you to go first. Tell me oh, your, my goodness. Tell me your response to Blue um, Beetle, Riles. Where was, you at? Well, there's four takeaways from it. Okay. Ooh, wow, this is good. Great. Several takeaways. Good and bad takeaways. Okay. Number one. War vet grandma. How can you not love that? Right. Yeah. Number two. Yep. Killer boner jokes. Two for two. These would have gotten laughs in the Octopus Bar and Lounge. Right. Circa 2015 Cedar Falls IA. <laughs> what a poll. <laughs> and then uh, number three. Uh, George Lopez. Phenomenal in this movie. And number four. I would love to see more Jaime. I thought Absolutely. Jaime was great. Absolutely. Those are the four points. I love those takeaways. Real quick on those takeaways. Jaime, yes, going into this movie, I told you that this movie can give us a Jaime. Oh, someday. I'm going to go eat some chips and salsa and think about things. Jaime Reyes. If this movie can give us a Jaime Reyes, a character that coming out of that movie, I'm going, I would enjoy seeing more of that character. That's a win, regardless of what else happens in the movie, whether the story makes sense or not. The other supporting characters, I want to see a Jaime Reyes that is worthwhile and worth seeing again. They did that. George Lopez. He he actually provided value in this movie. He's great. Like He obviously provided uh, plenty of levity, plenty of uh, the comedy, but he was able to give more than that, which I don't think I anticipated. So kudos to Jorge or George. I don't know anymore what it's supposed to be. So I'm just digging my I, grave even deeper. I, I say, I think George is good. George is good. I think okay. I think Jorge here is overkill. Okay. That's the that's an overcorrection you're saying. Received yes, yeah. received. I'll mess up again later. Bring it back. <laughs> uh grandmothers with machine guns. Fantastic. All the friggin' time. That was great. I did not like it. Of course it was dumb, but it was great. (laughs) It didn't make any sense. But it was great. Like, what a choice. Yeah. And uh, I'm sorry, what was your fourth point, your fourth takeaway? Boner jokes? Boner jokes. (laughs) Always welcome uh, when well-timed and well-placed, in which case they were. Two for two. Two for two. Pretty good. Not just one, two. And they were both great. It was impressive. Biggest laugh in the movie, I think. Yeah, it it was really well done. Um... I thought, pardon me, if a movie, like, I'm, this, is, this is not a fair comparison, so I'm going to make it and then provide this immediate caveat of this isn't what I'm trying to do. Think of Black Panther and how such a significant piece of Black Panther was the fact that you had a African-American director and an African-American cast right. and an African-American story of sorts. Uh, obviously said in the fictional nation of Wakanda, so I'm not trying to go too far at that example. But that was significant, mm-hmm. right? Uh, more, I don't know how to delicately say this, so I'm just going to say this. Like, I don't understand what it's like as a white person 
to be a, min a minority, right? Clearly, I mispronounce George and Jorge and Jaime and Jamie constantly. It's brutal. I'm looking at the cast list, for example, of the guy who played Jaime Reyes. I have no idea how to pronounce his name. Riley, it's X-O-L-O. Zolo? It's got to be. That's, that's the best guess I got, but I'm just guessing. Point is, I do live in a white man's world. That's I, I'm in the majority, not the minority. But I like to think that I can at least recognize and appreciate when, hey, something significant happened here. We had a movie in Black Panther that came out with all the aforementioned attributes, and it was an outstanding movie. And that as I hope, I don't know, but I hope opened up more doors, more opportunities for talented actors, actresses, directors, screenwriters to get their shot, right? This movie, not as good as Black Panther, I don't think. Black Panther to me is outstanding. This movie, good, not Black Panther level. But again, you have a Hispanic director, a Hispanic cast from almost top to bottom. I would like to think there is an opportunity for something of significance to have taken place Sure. Now, it has not been the same, you know, uh, box office hit that Black Panther was. So I don't know what that says about the, the overall cultural impact that it has. But I will say this. To me, it makes it matters that it was a good movie. Right. It, it didn't suck. Because, my gosh, we've got plenty of white dudes making crappy movies. So why not? Like, why, why is it so limited? Right? Why are we doing movies that are supposed to be about minority characters and casting a not Hispanic person in that role? Did you ever see? Here's an example. Hopefully, you never did. Huh. And neither did I. But I remember Ridley Scott several years ago came out with a movie that was supposed to be about Moses, and he cast Christian Bale as Moses. No, Christian Bale is not Moses. Christian Bale is not a Middle Eastern person. No. Moses is a Middle Eastern dude. You know, people forget that about the Bible, though, all the time. That most of Ramses, all of the Bible was. You know who the cast is? Ramses, Joel Edgerton, Australian, yeah, yeah. thoroughly Caucasian. Yeah. You know who he cast as the Pharaoh before Ramses? You remember from the Batman, Carmine Falcone? Really? Yes. Yes, another thoroughly white actor. It's just brutal. And then they give him spray tans and wonder why why it doesn't work. Well, that's one of the reasons. So anyway, I've gone off on a tangent here. Point is, the casting was outstanding. There wasn't a single individual actor or actress on that screen that was miscast or out of place. Everybody filled their role really well, I thought. So to me, that was a highlight. For me, I'm just... I think the the key takeaway is this wasn't forced. This never felt there forced. There you go. Thank you. Man, you just said in like three words what I took a long time to barely say like, if I got there. We're so used to getting characters that are race swapped or gender swapped. And then there's just this like they or even like, you know, sexuality swapped. Yep. And it's just this force. Like the, it's not well written. It's just it's agenda like, driven. It's right, not for the and it's just like, ah, look at what we did because we want your attention yeah. and we want your money. And Disney, specifically, has been really, really bad with it, yeah. and it's noticeable. And that's why they're losing a lot of money. Yeah, crazy. But I mean, don't even get me started on the Snow White. But anyways, my point is, <laughs> like, 
this was not forced. This was a this was a great character already established in comics with this background. Like, I think it was phenomenal. Yeah, totally, totally agree. Um, the story. The story teased enough, and to its credit, I don't think it tried to do too much, right? Like, it didn't go into this, well, you have to save the entire world right. kind of stakes. Like, it kept it fairly localized. It felt actually most similar to me, to uh, probably too similar at times to Iron Man. I got that too, oh, actually. Yeah, right? Yeah. Right? You have Tony Stark battling Obadiah Stane and the Iron Monger, and then you have. I'm a Reyes battling Carapax. It felt so Iron Man, Iron Monger. It was, it was just so, so dang similar. Yeah, except he's redeemed at the end. Yes, yes, Carapax. Spoilers. But, not so much. No. Yeah, no. But, yeah, it's... What other positives that you had? What other things you took away that you were really pleased with from Blue Beetle? I think, I think the main takeaway here was family. Mm-hmm. And I think they nailed it. Mm-hmm. Like, it was great to see a good family dynamic. Agreed. So, uh, yeah. And also, we haven't really talked about the action sequences. I thought the fight scenes were fantastic. Agreed. They were fluid. They, they That's were, a really good pull. They, yep. they reminded me a lot of Aquaman. Mm-hmm. Aquaman's fight scenes were very fluid. Yep. And I, I yep. enjoy that. It's just a nice little flow through. Yeah. So yeah, not not choppy. Like they're able to show the whole action sequence. Like they're not using rushed camera swaps right. to kind of veil the the fight choreography that may not be that sharp. Um, that's a really good point. Yeah, I think it's also just a great showcase of his capabilities. Yep. Um, yep. So I was all for it. It was great. Yeah. Well, and that's and that's something that I shouldn't take for granted because I have ranted before about. You're an action movie. You have to at least have action that's right. good. And it did. It had um, multiple action sequences. None of them felt place or forced or just like, okay, we've seen all this before. And to your point, getting to see the, the Blue Beetle Scarab and Jaime Reyes trying to coalesce and figure out what they could and could not do together. Like there were some limitations there, right? right? There were times where it felt like, okay, this guy is just – that's in a blue suit, but you realize, fortunately, I think the movie did a good job of showing, no, it's not a, you're invincible and almighty and all powerful. Like you can be beaten. You got weaknesses. There are vulnerabilities there. And that's really critical, right? Because we don't need a, you're automatically the biggest, best, strongest, all this stuff. That was, that was very worthwhile. Yeah. And that that's, that's totally, totally agreed with that. Um, what do you think? What do you think about, again, to come back to the stakes? Like, were you happy with how it stayed relatively localized, like kind of around the, the cord family legacy? You, you mentioned family, which I think is on point. The movie was really centered around you know, the cord family and then the Reyes family. And it was more about conflict, I thought, within those two families than it was right. about, hey, the world or the city is really at stake. I enjoyed that. What did you think of that? Oh, I was good with me. Like, uh, I, you, yeah, it pretty much was just family that was really good together. Yep. And then their family that's not so good together. So, uh, but I mean, oh, where was I going to go with that? I've got a thought. No, because I, I was thinking about this earlier. Something I really appreciated about the family dynamic 
is that Jaime's family, we see immediately, right? He comes home from college and they they care about him. They they obviously love him, but they are supporting him regardless of what the result is, right? They're not going, hey, like, like for example, he doesn't come home and his dad says, all right, well, you spent all this money on this college degree. You better go and get a phenomenal job. Otherwise, don't show your face in the house again. Right. Like his parents have his back, right? They're supporting him. They are his biggest cheerleaders throughout his effort, which isn't going well, to get a, you know, to get a job of any kind of influence or importance. And that I really, I don't want to take that for granted either because there are so many movies so many stories where you have these, you know, the rags to riches paradigm where the character that starts on the low end of the societal totem pole doesn't receive the actual affirmation or affection from those around him until he or she has reached heights, right? And then it's like, oh, well, yeah, of course you're awesome. You're beautiful. You're spectacular. All this. It's like, well, that should come before the, the strength is gained or the influence is gained. And so I thought that was something that was portrayed really well, that the family, the Reyes family is a good, is a healthy and supporting family, regardless of circumstance, whether he's got the blue beetle scarab or he's picking them off the bottom of tables. That was pretty cool to see. Well, and how often do you see a superhero with a full family unit? Mm. You know? Right. Not very often. Usually, I mean, I mean, technically, spoiler, but halfway through, right. he does lose his dad. But it doesn't really feel like uh, he still has a sweet last moment with his dad. Yep. And I don't feel like it. I don't feel like it was a catalyst for anything. I think. I think. Well, it was in the sense of but like not, the full merge, but it was never yeah, like yeah. it wasn't like an influence for him to. He wasn't out for revenge. Are you be a hero or not yet? Right. It like, wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't. Right. It wasn't an Uncle Ben moment. Exactly. It was just. Uh, it was more of a. Hey, right. I get to say my goodbyes to my dad. Yeah. And he pretty much is like, I know what my purpose is. Right. And then right. merges fully with the Blue well, Beetle. And that's a good point because they set it up very well from a storytelling perspective by very early in the movie. I mean, it was within the first ten minutes, I think. Yeah. Where Jaime's parents tell Jaime. So your dad had a heart attack, right? So it it establishes that Jaime's dad has a has a bad ticker, right? And so when he has the heart attack later in the movie and ultimately passes away, it wasn't because it wasn't because like he got tased by you know one of the right. industry's goons. It just it just happened, mm-hmm. right? And so that was that was crafty. That was well done. That wasn't a, that wasn't forced. That wasn't Okay, we're just fitting in this same old paradigm, same old model. Because like you said, a whole family unit, we're so used to seeing heroes and heroines coming from these broken families, and there's merit to that. But it was refreshing (laughs) to see a whole healthy family unit. Oh, yeah. And his death was just to bring the rest of the family together. It wasn't really for Jaime to get – because Jaime only got, like, super aggressive when he thought his uncle also died. There you go. So he's like, I've lost two people. I'm not about to lose anybody else. Mm -hmm. And it was like – that was – yeah. So it was was nice. It's a nice change of pace. Right. For sure. Yeah. I'll totally agree. Something that – I'm going to pull back a little bit here. Something that I – on reflection, came to realize. So I told you that I thought, man, I feel like I've read 
Jaime Reyes's origin in DC Comics. Mm-hmm. Well, I had, I just didn't remember the details very well. So here's where I'm here's where I'm going with this. I'm gonna bury the lead here. The introduction of Jaime Reyes's character at this point in time in DC movies is remarkably similar to the introduction of Jaime Reyes's character in DC Comics almost 20 years ago. All right. So in the 2005, 2006 comic event, Infinite Crisis, Jaime Reyes gets introduced in that storyline. That crisis, that story comes about. Jeff Johns is the author. This is really the start of Jeff Johns' significance and influence in DC Comics. But the premise is that DC Comics have gotten really freaking dark. Okay. So there is a... uh, Identity, is it called Identity Crisis? Oh, man, I'm blanking on the name of the the comic. But there was a comic prior to Infinite Crisis that dealt with, uh, like, sexual assault and memory wiping. And it was just... Oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it was received with some pretty... Raised eyebrows at best. Like, like a bunch of people were murdered, and well, yeah, they wiped was, Batman's brain, and was Batman like, was pissed. Yeah, His like, mind got is, wiped. This is what we're doing. Like this is, hey, it's not even a very rewarding story. Uh, it's all depressing. It's just depressing. It's just darkness for darkness's sake. Superman had died and come back from the dead, but Wonder Woman, right before the start of Infinite Crisis, okay, and here's where it ties into Blue Beetle. Head Cord gets murdered as a result of the machinations of Maxwell Lord. And Wonder Woman kills Maxwell Lord. Like, straight up just snaps the dude's neck. Like, just murders the guy. And so Infinite Crisis begins with Wonder Woman, Superman, and Batman having a a face-off of sorts, not fisticuffs, but just jawing at each other back and forth about how each one has failed the Justice League, has failed humanity. And so it's a very dark period in DC Comics. And what Jeff Johns, through the course of Infinite Crisis, tried to do was inject some light, right? Where it's been so dark, it's like we've got to recover from this and get back to the healthy roots of comics where absolutely you can deal with dark themes, but it can't just be darkness for darkness's sake. It can't right. just be depressing. It's like, let's let's find the light here. And Jaime Reyes and his character, his, his character's introduction as the new Blue Beetle had a big part of that in the Infinite Crisis storyline. Uh, he helps, for example, Batman. We heard about OMAC being invented in the Blue Beetle movie. Batman in the comics is actually the creator of OMAC. It's an artificial intelligence Think of it as like DC's Ultron, okay? It goes awry, and Blue Beetle, Jaime Reyes, is the only individual that can actually, because of the scarab, see the cloaked OMAC satellite and help Batman destroy it. So he plays a not insignificant part in the story, right? Well, let's take a look at DC movies. What has the biggest criticism of DC movies been for the last decade? They're dark. They're depressing, right? Man of Steel comes out. Again, I enjoyed it, but a lot of people thought that's it's kind of a downer of a Superman portrayal. Batman v Superman comes out. Great. So we have two beloved superheroes kicking the crap out of each other. That's that's not what we want. Right. And so it's fascinating to me the parallel of 
Comics almost 20 years ago, and now DC Comics 20 years ago, and now DC Movies, where you have the same character of Jaime Reyes being introduced in playing, we'll see with movies, but playing a role of some sort and bring some levity and some light. I mean, I can certainly see this Jaime Reyes in James Gunn's DC Universe, can't you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, absolutely he fits. I'd love him with Batman. I think it'd be great. Right? Because they're like complete opposites. Oh my goodness. And I think it'd work well. Mm -hmm. But also, I'm super excited about Ted Kord. I really want Ted Kord. Yes. Yes, Ted Kord is such a worthwhile character. And that's, that is something that we have we have lacked. And I don't think I've really reflected on it or realized it until now. But we have lacked in DC Comics. There has not been that balance of, I love Batman. I enjoy Superman. I enjoy Wonder Woman. We haven't had that levity, that balance brought to the universe. The Flash movie tried. That's all I'm going to say. It tried. We're not, we're not chomping at the bit for that version of Barry Allen to come into Ever again. the James Gunn nope. DC universe. Him. But this Jaime Reyes, by all means, hold him in oh, for sure. to the James Gunn DC universe and let's and let's roll with it. I'm Curious to see where he'll show up next. Yep. I'm hoping Booster Gold. Mm -hmm. That makes the most logical sense if he's going to show up anytime soon. But uh, the way that James Gunn is just throwing out players, uh, I don't think it'll be very long. I think we'll see him come back pretty quick. Yeah. I'm pumped. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I, I would I would certainly hope so. I would certainly hope so. Anything else you want to say on the, on the Blue Beetle topic, No, Riles? I'm good. Blue Beetle is covered. It was good. Yeah, really solid, really solid. Okay, well, in light of the summer coming to a swift, yet again, conclusion, it's time for us to look back on the summer that has been, Riles, and do, by means of a classic, JP and the Beans Top 5, recap of our top five favorite summer flicks of 2023. And just to be clear, this would stretch from May, which traditionally is part of the movie, uh, summertime movie calendar, all wow. the way through August. So April and September attendees need not uh, need not even try to qualify. Nope. You're oot. You're oot. So finally, you go first. What's your number five? All right. At number five, I have oh, Blue Beetle. Well, yeah, I have Blue Beetle at five. We just discussed that. Yeah, it's Fantastic. great. Uh, for all the reasons that we already discussed. Very, very hopeful. It was a it was a nice two-hour getaway. I didn't feel like I had to be super invested in the movie. It sure. was a great action movie. Sure. Great fights. Yep. I mean, and for all the other reasons we talked about. I love that. Yeah. Blue Beetle at five. Beetle number five. All right. Number five for me. The Flash. <laughs> totally kidding. Totally kidding. <laughs> Oh, no, no, no. I was going to say, if that's even in your top five, your list is wrong. <laughs> oh, Flash sitting at number six. Number five, Blue Beetle for me also. We don't need to go over all the reasons. It was fun. Yeah, Blue great. Beetle, number five. For me, number four, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Mutant Mayhem. Okay. Number four for me. Um, Love the creativity. Of the animation, uh, and I loved elements as we discussed on our previous podcast. I loved elements of the recharacterization of 
Turtles, a master splinter. Fascinating to see what they're going to do with, with Shredder, with the Rogues Gallery. Uh, there are plenty of avenues that it chose to travel down that I wasn't particularly fond of. But overall, it was an enjoyable movie. Had a fun time seeing it with, with you, with Wesley. He had a great time. So that's a win for me. Anytime I can go to a movie with, with one of my kids and come out going, yeah, that was worth it. So Mutant Mayhem. Number four for this guy. All right, my number four is probably a lot to do with nostalgia, mm -hmm. but uh, Indiana Jones 5. Love that. Isle of Destiny. Love that. It's great to see Harrison Ford one more time in the role. Mm -hmm. I thought for the story, it felt like a really good Indiana Jones movie. Yep. Was it a little out there? Yep. That's what they're to supposed be. to do. It's supposed to be. So. Love that. Yeah. Indiana Jones, number four. That's great. Good for Indy. Number three. I have TMNT. There you go. There you go. I have them at three because I also like the story. The art was phenomenal. I think for me, why it sits at three, I think I need more time with them. I think they yep. need to be fleshed out more. Okay? I didn't like the direction necessarily, but they're doing a TV show with them, and then they're doing another okay. movie with them. Okay. So you know what? I might tune into that TV show. And just see where it's going. Yep. Because that's kind of where I'm at right now. Yep. Kind of keep tabs. Right. I just want to see them progress more. Yep. And hope maybe they'll grow into their their roles as who they are. Right. So do I really want to see them in high school? No. But it's fine. <laughs> it's it, it'll it'll all work out. So it number three, Ninja Turtles. That's where I'm at. That's fantastic. Great pick at number three. My number three is Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, Part 1. Great time. Great time at the summer movie movieplex. That was, that was fantastic. Um, clocked in just shy of three hours, so not a brief, not a brief movie. But I probably could have trimmed a, trimmed a solid 10 minutes off and been just fine. Holding open-handedly to this particular Mission Impossible movie as far as where it falls on my Mission Impossible hierarchy of personal preference because it is a part one. So we'll see what part two does. But what a blast. Tom Cruise, please don't die anytime soon. And you're going to die making a movie sometime. But wait until later, please, at least until after part two. Uh, it was a blast. Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, part uno. My number Two, Cross the Spider-Verse was my number two. Phenomenal animation. It's the best there is. It's the best there is. Best I've ever seen. It's incredible. Storytelling, phenomenal. They're playing the long game, which frustrating when you're wanting to see the, uh, the rest of the story right now. But that's the only reason it's frustrating because it's good. It's really stinking good. So very excited to see the sequel next summer. Can't wait for a year from now to be discussing the follow-up to Across the Spider-Verse. So that's my number two. You, sir. Well, my number two is the same as your number two. What a two. great number two. Yes. What a great list you yes. have, sir. What a great First list. of all, you talked about storytelling, phenomenal. The writing, fantastic. Mm -hmm. I kind of want to go back and watch that first one just to see how well same. connected it is. Um, yeah. I'm super excited for the third one. Like you said, animation is great. I think it's really set the tone for other animated movies because yep. I think that's the only reason we got yep. Rise of the Mutants to be the way yep. that it was. Yep. 
Did I say that right? Mute Mayhem. This you blended mayhem. the little Transformers in Ninja yes, Turtles, which I did. is a very summer movie of you. It, That's okay. Funny. Yeah. No, <laughs> Mutant Mayhem. Like, that didn't sound right after it came out of my mouth. But You caught yourself. I love you Miles. Yourself. Jamie Garcia. You got it. Miles is really coming into his own. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I can't wait. I his character very well. So, that also means that our number one is the same. There is no doubt. It's Guardians 3. It's, it's right? Guardians 3. Yeah. Yeah. And I think... I think a pretty clear number one as well. And part of it is where it falls in its sequencing of the story, right? It's the conclusion of the Guardians story, really, for all intents and purposes. Uh, I guess we'll see what happens next, but I'm treating it as if that's it. Whereas uh, Mission Impossible and more more close in rankings across the Spider-Verse is in the middle. Of telling a story, not at the end. So it's certainly hurt, so to speak, in our rankings by its placement. But neither here nor there. Guardians of the Galaxy 3 is so freaking phenomenal. And I know all three movies have had great soundtracks. This particular soundtrack is my favorite. It's more of my my youth. It was a great mix. Yeah. Phenomenal blend. I I love reflecting on those movies and how certain actors like Dave Bautista. You know who Dave Bautista was when the first Guardians movie came Unless out? Unless you're a WWE fan. Unless you're a WWE fan. And I'm still holding on to my Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant days. And so. you were watching the Bautista bomb. <laughs> <laughs> but incredible how that guy has just carved out a career that started with him getting a shot in the Guardians movie. The first Love seeing that that trajectory and the caliber of character development in those movies is second to none in all the Marvel movies. There have been outstanding character developments. So I'm not saying it's standing alone at the top, but it's right up there with the character development that we saw from the Iron Man character, that we saw from Steve Rogers and his Captain America trajectory. Or, I mean, from what we've seen in Loki and his show, it's it's great. So, love getting to spend time with those characters. What do you got on that front? I mean, they ended with a bang. Oh, my. Like, it's it's one of those few trilogies that was good all the way through. Yep. Like, probably, strong, arguably, the best trilogy we've gotten in the MCU. Which, if you would have told me that my. 10 years ago. Nope. I would have called you crazy because Guardians came out. I'm like, I don't know why they're making this movie, but I can't. Well. And then I came out and I was like, this is fantastic. Phenomenal movie. And then and it's around a CGI raccoon. This, this, yeah, this one specifically. Yes. Yeah, exactly. My mom was watching it. And she's like, this movie's terrible. And not in a bad way. She's like, because of the raccoon. Right, right the emotions. Like, it's awful. Yeah, it's messing with her. Right. Yeah. So it's like, you can do that with a... That's, talking raccoon. That's incredible. It's uh, it's impressive, is what it is. Yes, it is. So yes, it is. But yeah, and I mean, arguably, I mean, yeah, no, it's it was fantastic. It deserves all the good things. And honestly, it's in a weird way, it also set the tone for the next DCU. Mm. Mm. In a weird way, because it's like this is what James Gunn can do. Yep. With a trilogy. Yep. Now imagine if you give him all the toys in the toolbox. Yep. And just see what he can do. The, that's such a good point. The amount of skepticism that I felt towards James Gunn and his approach to the DC role. Oh, me too. 
in terms of not just overseer and shepherd. There, there, there might be other words that are better, but I'm going to go shepherd where he's going, no, I'm actually going to write and direct some of these. That, as as we talked about, just I didn't, didn't sit well with me. I didn't have high hopes for that. But boy, did that change after seeing Guardians 3. And then I realized, oh, you're, you're better at this than most people who are given these opportunities to tell superhero stories. You're better. So, yep, let's, let's, what do you want, man? Do you want to write the Superman movie? Okay, go for it. And he's a true fan. Yep. And he's, yep. And what the best part is, and this so is what, critical. and this is what DC sucks at, mm-hmm. is they have so many fantastic characters. Mm-hmm. But if they aren't attached to Batman, they don't do great. Right. Like he's got Superman, awesome. Batman, awesome. Wonder Woman, great. Yeah. But like outside of that, I mean, you have Green Lantern, The Flash. But nobody really does anything well unless they're connected to Batman. Yeah. So yep. to see him have these like, oh yeah, like Metamorpho. Right. We got it. Oh right. girl, she's coming, and you're like, well, these are like Mister Terrific. These are B-list characters yeah. that, if given the correct love. It very well be a listers, yeah. so I'm I'm super pumped about it. Yeah, and yeah, I was also yeah. on that train of like I'm a little nervous because I was like I don't want them all to be a little out there, but I'm like just let them cook. Yeah, the trust bank is pretty pretty full right now. The deposits are running high, so totally agree. This DC might take over. I think I I think it's uh, inevitable at this point. Yeah, I agree. Marvel leaving the door wide open. Okay. Bonus time real quick. There were a few movies, three in fact, that I did not see this summer that I would like to see. Okay. 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 Good, good time. Good time. Number three, Transformers, Rise of the Beasts. Uh, that was uh, my honorable mention. That's great. That's great. I, I didn't get around to seeing it, and I would like to see it at some point. So, great, weird, crazy ending. Did I tell you this? <laughs> Do you want to know? Oh, 100%. Okay. So yeah. it's really not that big of a good deal, but it's like, you might like it. So at the end of the movie, well, so, okay, the main human character in the movie, right? Yes. Like, he's cool. Yep. Like, yep. good with electronics, of course. Of course. So he goes and, like, helps the Transformers fight. Of course. And at the end, end fight sequence, he's actually the only human being to do anything because he pairs up with... Uh, the main Transformers Transformer in this movie that's not nice. Bumblebee, right? Nice. Um, and Mike gets a suit of armor Sweet. and then is fighting alongside Optimus Prime, right? Not a lot of people can say that. Also, alongside Optimus Prime. Also, they kind of sideline Bumblebee in this. But he has one of the most epic instances in a Transformers fight. Mm-hmm. It was beautiful. Mm-hmm. But towards the end, Good for me. the U.S. government comes in, of course, like they always do. And they're like, we know what you do. He's like, and we'll take care because his brother's like has like a medical condition and they're very poor, so he's just sick. And they're like, yep. we will finance all of that. And they're like, what? He's like, why? He's like, who are you guys? And they open up to this like huge military bunker, and it's GI Joe. What? <laughs> he's like, welcome to the Joes, and that's that's the end of the movie. I mean, I believe you, and I don't believe you. It's like, you're kidding me. Just cross. Like, it makes sense, because I'm pretty sure Hasbro owns both companies. Of course they do. But it's like... Oh, my god! That's not what I expected oh at all. Gosh. And I'm like, let's do it. Oh I don't care. God. It was crazy. Oh. 
we're gonna get the rock in a transformers movie isn't that funny though which how's it not happening that's that's amazing what a what an incredible wow good pull by you that's really good Oh, all right. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to marinate on that for some time. That's I remember, wild. I remember just sitting there. I'm like, that just happened. What? <laughs> it's like, I, you know, I don't. I don't have a. I don't have a horse in the race right. when it comes to GI Joe. Right. But I'm like, guys, forever. I'm like, this is one of the most <laughs> random. Like, it's not random in the sense of their connection, yeah. but it's like random in the sense of this is not what I expected at all. Like, I would have guessed the Ninja Turtles crossing over with the Transformers before before the Joes. See, now I'm looking back because I remember when a G.I. Joe movie came out, like, when I would have interested and went to see it. I saw the first one. I saw the first one and Snake Eyes was dope. And I was like, well, I love Snake Eyes. And then I, I know there's a second one and, like... Don't they kill Channing Tatum off, like, right away? Like, he was yes. the main focus of the first one, and they just kill him off in the yes. second one? It's like, He's why? Like immediately, immediately dead. Which is just weird. Yeah. But, like, I don't know. I don't know what their plan is. I don't know if they're just going to reboot G.I. Oh Joe entirely. Dennis Quaid was in this. Good Lord. He was? Oh, my gosh. I mean, Marlon Wayans was in it. Uh, oh, brother. Okay. Well, anyway. Wow, what a crossover. Uh, this is taking me way back and not necessarily in a good way. It wasn't it wasn't very good. I wonder if they'll bring Channing back. God bless him. Okay. Continuing with bonus time. My second second movie that I really wish I would have seen, Indiana Jones, Dial of Destiny. It's right. point that I didn't get around to seeing that, so I'm gonna have to see it sometime after it comes out. And then number one, Oppenheimer. Someone seen the freaking movie. I know, I know it's not your ilk, but I, I'm a history guy. I enjoy that. Uh, I enjoy those topics. And, of course, Christopher Nolan, sorcerer. So I don't know what I'm doing with my life. I'm actually a little upset at myself. For me, it's like I already know the ending. Well, that's true. That's true. I'm going to say number one. I know we dropped two bombs <laughs> and we end a war. It worked. <laughs> so. And we're done. And- yeah. Like, that's the important parts, right? I know. I, Dude builds bomb. We drop bomb. Bomb go boom. It's so sad. I've kept I've, all summer being like, I'm going to get to it. I'm going to get to it. And I'm not sure when I'm actually going to get to it. But I've had a great summer at the same time. So I really don't, you know, this this regret is all is all relative. And it's quite, it's it's modest. We're fine. Yeah. We're fine. I'm just trying to think if there's any movies that I missed. And I think I'm good. I don't think there's any movie I'm like, how have I not gotten to that movie? So, living in that I know. I'm great. I'm doing great. It's fantastic. It's like, love that. All right, my friend. I think that does it, don't you? Yeah. Love it. Well done. Yeah. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, this. Mm. I apologize in advance. This is late. I still don't have internet at my place, so. Uh, my bad. Um. Yeah. If you like this content, go subscribe on YouTube. Follow us on uh, Instagram at JP and the Beanstalk and on TikTok, Magic Beans Productions. I have not been posting anything. It's I've, like you've been busy or something. Yes. I've, yeah. I've been pretty much just dead in a sense. Glad you're not actually busy. Right. So yeah. um, the other podcast will be coming back soon. Uh, Magic Beans. Or not Magic Beans, but Spill the Beans. Uh, Magic Beans Productions on YouTube. Magic Beans Productions on Instagram. We're getting there. I'm figuring it out in my head. So... All the beans. But on that note, Godspeed. Peace.